So I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation is the last book in the Bible, so it's at the very end. We're on page 1001. Page 1001 in the Black Pew Bibles. We'll be reading all of chapter 12. Here's what it says. A great portent image, symbol, appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. Then another portent appeared in heaven, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was snatched away and taken to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God so that there she can be nourished for 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they did not cling to life even in the face of death. Rejoice then, you heavens, and those who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So when the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Then from his mouth, the serpent poured water like a river after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm going to give you a line, and you tell me what story or stories it's from. Expecto Patronum. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. May the odds be always in your favor. Yes. Right? You can do the appropriate gestures. 
you need to. You see, because these stories have been so pervasive in our culture, we just need to throw out a line and everyone's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, Harry Potter. Yep, Star Wars. Totally have it. Got it. Well, the people who first heard this, Revelation 12, they would have heard, oh, yeah, woman, dragon, baby. Yep, mm -hmm, got it. Totally got it. Because there was a myth at that time, about the birth of Apollo. Apollo was the son of Zeus and Leto. And it was said that when his mom tried to give birth to him, there was a great dragon named Python who tried to come and get Apollo because he knew that if he struck Apollo, he would work on taking down the entire kingdom. There's actually also an Egyptian myth that's very similar to this. So as soon as the people to whom John is writing, these people in these seven churches scattered across Turkey, up in a corner of the Roman Empire, as soon as they heard him start to say, okay, so there's this woman, and she's giving birth, and there's a dragon, they would, um, yep, mm-hmm, got it, I know what's happening. And what's happening is that God is kind of interrupting Revelation. So we, we looked at the seven churches and the individual letters, and we, we went through the seven seals, opening the seven seals, and we went through the seven trumpets, which all brought woe, and now there's kind of this thing in the middle. Now, all of these things that we've been reading about and learning about have talked about the trouble that is coming for these seven churches. They've talked about pain and persecution and death. They've talked about all the sorrow that is to come for these churches right here at this time and this place. And now God is giving them this story. And he's giving them this story to say, let's take the big picture view. Because it was very tempting for those people in the seven churches, Thyatira, Pergamum, Sardis, Ephesus. It was very tempting for them to say, if we just had a different mayor in this city, everything would be better. If only this emperor would be overthrown by a good emperor, everything would be better for us. If only the entire Roman Empire was completely destroyed, things could be better for us as Christians. And so God is coming to them with this story saying, no, 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 wait, time out. It's not just about you Christians in these seven churches and Rome. There is a much bigger drama being played out here. It's a drama about good and evil. It's a drama about the almighty God and the weak Satan. It's a drama that's been happening since the beginning of time. And while you're a player in the story, my friends, while you're a player in my churches, while you're in the story, it's not just this much. It's much, much bigger. And so God, through John, uses these images that they would have associated with cosmic warfare, a woman and a dragon and birthing and big, big, big stuff. And they would have understood the images because John drops little clues about who he's talking about. So we have a woman, and she's giving birth, and she gives birth to a male child. Now, we know that the child isn't symbolic. The child is literal. The child they're talking about is Jesus. It's kind of Sunday school. Let's write it. Jesus. Yes. 
because there's a quote from Psalm 2. He will rule or shepherd the nations with a rod of iron. Psalm 2 was a messianic psalm, a psalm that talked about the Messiah, a psalm that said what he would be like, how he would live. And so we have a male child who's been born who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. We know this is the Messiah. Now, it's tempting then to say, well, then the woman has to be married. Ha-ha. Not so fast. Because the woman is an image, a portent, a symbol. She is not a literal figure. She represents, the woman represents, everyone since the dawn of time who has worked, who has told the truth, who has been faithful to the Lord, who has been obedient, all the prophets who have called the people back, everybody who worked so that Mary would be in the line and that she would give birth to a child. So the woman is everybody in the people of God up to that point and then everybody in the people of God since that time. So the woman is us. That's the woman. The woman is the church of Jesus Christ. The woman is the people of God. The woman is the nation. And she gives birth to a child. The dragon, bad guy, you got that, doesn't want the baby to be born. He's pretty sure that if he takes out the baby, he wins. But the baby is snatched away and taken up to the throne of God. This is the entire life of Christ in a phrase. <laughs> He's born, he teaches, he dies, he rises, he ascends, snatched up and taken into heaven. That's all he gets. And that's because his story is told elsewhere in a lot of detail. So right now, we just need to understand that he has done exactly what he needs to do. And now the dragon is quite ticked. And the woman is given refuge. For how long? 1260 days. And we all know what that means. Just like we know time, times, and half a time. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, it's, it's time and a time time? <laughs> 1260 days is three and a half years. And throughout scholarly time, as they've looked at this, they've said the three and a half years is a representation of all the time between when Jesus came once and when he will come again. Three and a half years. So it's not seven, it's not the number of completion, it's not the whole story, it's just a part of the story. The story comes before and the story goes after. This is just a part of the story, the story from when he came once and when he will come back. Some scholars call this whole time the tribulation. Some scholars say the tribulation is just at the end. But 1260 days, times time and half a time, is three and a half years. It's the wholeness of the church's waiting. That's what's happening here. And during this time, the dragon gets quite ticked. He didn't get to, you know, attack the baby like he wanted to. And now Michael, whom scholars believe has been assigned to be the guardian angel of the nation of Israel and now the people of God, Michael, the archangel, starts bringing some heat. He and his angels fight them. Obviously, it's a very short battle. They totally win. They kick him out of heaven. He goes on down, and he looks for the woman. 
Because he's like, she's got to be here somewhere. And then he finds her on earth and he chases her and he tries to destroy her with a flood. Now, those of you who know biblical stories, who know biblical history, know that the flood is bad. Floods are bad. Flood means complete devastation. Flood means that we want to wipe you out entirely from the earth. If you've seen images of Hurricane Matthew, if you've seen what it has done in places like Haiti, you've seen what a flood can do. That's the image here. The dragon is trying to completely wipe out the woman. And then, in a super interesting turn of events, who comes to the defense of the woman? The earth. The earth is not neutral. Creation is not neutral in this story, like it's just kind of the the landscape on which the battle is being fought. No, it's part of the battle. It's in the battle. This is where Tolkien and C.S. Lewis get all their cool imagery. The trees rise up and fight, right? That's this, this is right here. So the earth swallows the flood And the woman is able to go to a place of refuge. She's given wings. Did you notice that? Two eagles' wings. And throughout Scripture, wings are a sign of God's care and God's power. And so she is given wings, and she flies off to the wilderness. And throughout the Old Testament, the wilderness is the place where God meets his people. The wilderness is a place where God and his people figure out who each other is. There's this beautiful verse in Hosea that says, I will call her to the wilderness and speak tenderly to her heart. Echoes here, of course, of when Israel had to flee from Egypt and spent time in the wilderness figuring out who they were as free people. And just... As this woman gets nourished, the people of Israel were nourished. Many of you know these stories by manna and by quail given from God, by water that came out of rocks. And so there are echoes here that just as God has cared for the people before the birth of the Messiah, so will he continue to care for his people because regardless of what happens with the dragon, the mission of God for his people will not end. It will not end. That's the beautiful promise that he gives refuge and he gives nourishment to his people so that they can do what needs to be done. So what he's saying to these seven little churches scattered throughout Turkey Seven churches that are very aware of the persecution that is coming to them. Seven churches who may have already known what it was like to have somebody dragged off and put on trial. He's saying to them, evil is real. There's a much bigger story being told. Evil is real. And it's not just about Rome. Now, for these seven churches who had seen people dragged off, for the people in these seven churches who knew what it was like to watch somebody's land get sold off and sold off and sold off to pay the bills, 
who knew what it was like to be turned down in the marketplace from selling anymore because they refused to bow the knee to the emperor, who knew what it was like to show up for their church meeting and look around and realize that somebody wasn't there and hear a story about how that person was taken in the middle of the night and hadn't been heard from since. For the people in these seven churches, evil was very real and it was very easy for them to hear this story about the woman and the dragon and say, yes, that's exactly right. We see the dragon on the move. It's not just Rome. It's bigger than Rome. It's the dragon using Rome. It's much bigger. The challenge for us at Calvin College in 2016 is that the evil is just as real, but a lot of times, he's much more subtle. His tricks haven't changed very much. He's not very creative. He tries to get us with the exact same lie he tried to get Eve with. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? I don't think he did. He didn't mean it for sure. He did not mean it. I mean, those commandments and stuff that he gives you, like, he can't be serious about that stuff. Like, did God really say you shouldn't steal? I mean, that doesn't really apply to the bagel your roommate got at Bequiv. That's not what he's talking about there. And that whole bear false witness thing, that doesn't really apply to you when you're just trying to check your answers against the person sitting next to you in French class on a quiz like that, that bear false witness thing, that doesn't really apply to that. And that whole remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, six days you shall labor, the seventh day is a Sabbath to your Lord, your God, that doesn't apply, you're way too busy for that. Are you kidding me? Take an entire day off, who does that? No one does that. That will not help you get ahead. He's not serious about that. And that whole don't commit adultery thing, that doesn't apply to most of you because you're not married. And surely sexual immorality and that kind of stuff, that's only for married people. Did God really say that? Does he really mean that? You see, his goal is to deceive. That's what he's called in this passage, the deceiver of the whole world. His goal is to get us to doubt God's care to doubt God's truth, to doubt God himself. And this is where the devil is not like Darth Vader of Voldemort. You see, Darth Vader has this moment when he's trying to get Luke to join him. Come, join with me, and together we will rule the galaxies. You remember that moment? I'll never join you. Voldemort tries to get more and more people to join him. Just come on over. You're going to come anyway. Just come on over. Don't be so weak. The devil isn't trying to get anybody to join him because he knows that he's going down. He wants to take as many people with him as he can. It's not about come and join me and we together will rule anything. He's got nothing to rule. It's come and join me and come down with me to the end. Die with me. 
So he doesn't just deceive us. That's not where he ends. He doesn't just get content when we actually turn away from the good and turn toward evil. When we actually break a commandment, we're actually disobedient. That's not enough for him. Because then he accuses us before God. Oh, God, 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 did you see? Did you see? Did you see? I mean, everybody thinks she's good, but you and I know what she has on her laptop. And we all know what he did in high school, right, God? We know that. And oh, that whole honor your father and mother thing, that person's been lying to their mother in every text for a week. So come on, God. These are your people. They lie, they cheat, they so basically they're worthless. This is the voice that accuses you again and again and again. This is the voice that says, if people really knew about you, they would walk away. This is the voice that says, the things that you do in high school will hang with you forever. This is the voice that says, that person you dated and the influence that that person had on your life, you can't get over that. You can't shake that off. This is the voice that turns you away from God and then wants you to sit there in your sin. That's the voice. It's an old voice. It's a voice since the dawn of time. It's the voice that these people, our brothers and sisters in these seven little churches heard again and again and again. You're not a good enough Christian. If Rome called you up, if you had to be put on trial, you probably wouldn't do it. You wouldn't last. And that's why our brothers and sisters in these seven little churches, they needed to hear this amazing good news. The accuser of our comrades has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And then there's this amazing thing in verse 11. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And they would have heard this. Remember, they're hearing this. They're not reading this. They can't skip ahead. They would have said, yes, of course. The blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, all of our sins on the cross, got it. That's how we've conquered. But wait, there's more. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not cling to life even in the face of death. How do they conquer? They conquer by the blood of the Lamb, which has been of, spoken of throughout this entire book, and by the word of their testimony. Now think about this. It was a very real threat that they would get hauled up before some court and have to give actual testimony. Is it true that you do not give incense at the altar of the emperor? Is it true that you gather with other people and declare that someone else is Lord? Is it true that you have been baptized? Is it true? And they would have heard that the way they conquer, the way they crush the head of the dragon is by giving testimony and saying, yes, it's all true. Yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. 
yes, my testimony conquers the dragon. My testimony in this life may get me killed. My testimony before Rome may do nothing to Rome. Right now, because of the story, don't really care about Rome. I'm conquering the dragon right now. I'm invested in the big story. I'm standing up for what matters. There's a much bigger drama playing out than's happening right here in this little courtroom, and I'm on the side of the woman. I'm one of her children who keeps the commandments and the testimony of Jesus. I'm on the winning team. And there's this great little line that says, the devil is working so hard because he knows that his time is short. He is down 57 to nothing in the fourth quarter of a football game, and there are three minutes left, and there's no way he's going to win, but he's going to play dirty for three minutes. And he's going to throw everything he has at these people. He is going to cheat, and he is going to cripple, and he is going to do everything he can to take this team down because he has forgotten that they've already won. My friends, we have already won. You have already won. You're on the winning team. And the truth that God gives us in this story is that for the church that he loves, their mission is not complete until he says it's complete, not when the dragon says it's complete. And in order to strengthen us for our mission, he gives us, the woman, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, he gives us refuge, nourishment, strength to do the battle. Because let's be honest, the battle is annoying. The battle is exhausting. The battle is relentless. Some of us are just, we're just tired of dealing with an addiction. We're tired of dealing with our parents' animosity toward each other. We're tired of having those doubts that plague our minds. We're tired of the battle. And so our God gives to us and he says, find your refuge. Can you imagine these people? Let's say they're in the back of a storefront in the city of Pergamum and there's like 52 people there. And they're all sitting on the floor and they're sitting on boxes and they hear about the refuge. And they look around at each other. They go, oh, you're my refuge. And they hear the gospel read again and again, and they go, oh, there's my nourishment. That's why we do what we do. This is my refuge. This is my nourishment. The enemy likes to tell you that your nourishment comes through sugar and Facebook 
and chocolate exclusively. And Twitter feeds. And that if you just can have enough of that going on in your life, you're going to be fine because that's nourishment. Shallow relationships, pornography, ignoring people, not returning text messages. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing that. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, that is false nourishment. The true nourishment comes when you find your refuge. Who are your refuge people? Who are your refuge people? Who are the people that you can worship with and pray with and sing with? Who are the people that you can go to and say, this is where the devil deceived me this week. I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed. Help me. Who are the people that you can go to and say, this is what he keeps accusing me of over and over and over again, and I thought it was long past. I've tried to move beyond it, and he just keeps bringing it up. Will you pray for me? Will you help me find better nourishment? God gives us refuge, and he gives us nourishment because he needs us on the team. There is a both and here. It's the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. It's the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all sin and it's us telling about it. It's us saying, yes, this is who I used to be in high school, but God. Yes, this is what I used to have on my laptop, but God. Yes, this is how I used to treat my parents, but God. Every time you stand up and you say, I used to be like this, I used to choose this, I used to be deceived here, but God did this in my life now. Every time you stand up and you say that to another person, you crush the head of the dragon. Every time. Your testimony matters. What God has done in your life matters. And we, the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God, the woman, we need to hear your testimony. The enemy would say, hide that stuff, don't talk about it, it's very embarrassing. The Holy Spirit says, that's how we get testimony. Tell what God in Christ has done for you. Because that's how we crush the head of the dragon. So I was thinking about this passage this week, mulling it over and thinking about it. There was this amazing image that came up in my Twitter feed. And I saw it and I thought, wow, that's got to be providential because hashtag Calvinist. Um, <laughs> I thought that's, that's got to be providential. And it's this image from the 13th century, from a 13th century manuscript that's held in the British Library. And here is the image. Isn't that awesome? That's a woman just punching the head of the devil. Just poof. Isn't that so great? And now look at this. The woman is like tall and calm and strong. And she's like poof. And the devil is short and he looks a little panicky. Like, no, no, don't hurt me. And she's like poof. And she's holding a text. She's holding a manuscript. And I haven't done enough study on this image, but when someone's holding a text or a manuscript, it's it's saying, I give testimony that I have the authority to do this to you. This is what's been passed on to me. This is my right. 
This is my claim that I get to punch you in the face. You have been given that testimony. You have been given that story. This is yours. You hold this up in one hand and you punch the devil in the other. That's how we do it. I'm so not joking. The more we stay in the word and the more we hear the testimonies of each other, the more we crush the dragon's head. We collectively, we're the woman. We get to just punch the devil in the head. I was in a gift shop this summer and I saw this great plaque and it said, be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh crap, she's up. That's what I'm talking about. Be the kind of man so when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh, crap, he's up. Be the kind of college so that when our feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh, bad things. They're all up. They're all up. They're all up. And they're not listening to my lies anymore and I can't accuse them anymore and they keep talking about the blood of the lamb and they keep sharing their testimonies and my head hurts. Yes! That's who we're going to be. Now some of you are sitting right here right now and you've got a testimony. You've got something that you've never said. You've got something that you used to do. You have somebody that you used to be. And you've been so embarrassed and so ashamed that you've never talked about the fact that God took you out of that. Tonight, tell one person. Tell one person. And if somebody trusts you with their testimony, you just send them this picture. I'll put it on my Facebook. (laughs) You just say, way to go. Way to just punch the devil in the face. Yes. Because on this campus, we're all about truth. We're all about healing. We're all about wholeness. I don't really care who you were in high school. I hardly care who I was in high school. I care about who we're becoming. I care about what God is up to now. Because in this three and a half year time span between when Jesus first comes and when he comes back, we're in this together. And anytime one of us stands up It crushes the head of the dragon. Everybody else says, yes. 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 Because we are on the winning team. Thanks be to God. Amen.